The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, episode 232. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, where psychology and business sit down to chat. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, licensed psychologist, speaker, executive coach, and consultant to entrepreneurs, leadership, and their companies. I believe psychology is the key to adapting and thriving both personally and in business. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for people searching for deeper conversation, deeper insight, and deeper research on psychology and business, where weekly conversations and content spark rare and profound insight, inspiring new awareness, new analysis, and new action. It is my mission to unlock the role of psychology inside every human touchpoint in business, all aimed at simplifying and harnessing psychology principles, skills, and strategies you can learn and apply so you and your business continue to grow and thrive. Grab a proverbial seat and tune in for insightful interviews, scientific research, psychology-based frameworks and reflections, and answers to thought-provoking questions so you can learn and leverage psychology for yourself and your business. On Psych Tuesday, Kevin shares lessons learned when working with a company that struggled after hiring a new CEO. We also talked about how changes in leadership and teams impact performance and how to handle transitions to maximize engagement and performance from the get-go. Kevin also shares critical strategies that nurture leadership inside companies and fosters employee engagement, investment, and performance in ways that increase productivity. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a seven-plus-figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business, if you have passions, goals, and dreams and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout, if you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then adaptability coaching is for you. With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D adaptation framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation. You can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting, just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching. On Psych Tuesday, Kevin shares lessons learned when working with a company that struggled after hiring a new CEO. We also talked about how changes in leadership and teams impact performance and how to handle transitions to maximize engagement and performance from the get-go. Kevin also shares critical strategies that nurture leadership inside companies and fosters employee engagement, investment, and performance 
in ways that increase productivity. Join me in welcoming Kevin Rastusi, Vice President and Strategic Human Capital Consultant at Gallagher, host of the HR Evolution Podcast, and thought leader on a mission to both create exceptional employee experiences and deliver results to businesses. Welcome back, Kevin. Hi, Dr. Yishai. Thank you again so much for having me on the show. Yeah, it is such a pleasure. On Insight Sunday, you shared your own journey from how much you deeply care about people and how that initially took you into a bio degree uh, and kind of healthcare, and then how you kind of turned and really focused that much more on business and the human side of business, as well as we talked about, I mean, there's so many things we talked about that are so cool. I really invite you, if you haven't, go back and listen to, to the Insight Sunday episode. We talked about, and you shared about goals and goal setting, measuring and being careful what we measure, how to turn you know human and human capital from being a cost in a business to turn to becoming a profit in the business. And also how your many experiences across your career have given you these different vantage points to understand how deeply impactful leadership and the way in which businesses are measured really affect across up and down the entire line, the people's experiences in the business, and then how that can really impact the performance and the the results that, that come out of business. I mean, we talked so much about that. The analogy you said at the very end was so impactful and meaningful is that sometimes an apple looks so good, but you bite into it and it can be rotten to the core. And one of the things that's really been coming out lately is that some businesses, they look like they're really profitable. And some, some of what's happening inside is the people just can't get out of there fast enough. They can't keep staffed well enough. And even though they might be continuing to make sales or continuing to show profits, something is happening inside that is slowly or maybe not so slowly in some ways, really kind of eating that up. And there are really big costs to that. And there are ways of being able to actually have really healthy, delicious, uh, you know, delicious, delicious profits and, and bite into that apple that's crisp and juicy and tangy and sweet and all of those things. Uh, so, you know, go back and listen to our Insights Sunday episode to get more insights into all of that. Um, and thank you again for grabbing a seat for Story Tuesday, which I now like to call Psych Tuesday. Um, so I, I did want to start a little bit with, uh, you know, some of your kind of lessons along the way, what are some challenges that you've seen or helped businesses overcome, whether that's in leadership, entrepreneurship, or, you know, things that are going on inside of their businesses? So one of uh, one of the most recent, I guess, cases, if we want to call it a case, uh, an opportunity, a conversations that we were having with with a partner of ours was uh, a new CEO took over. So usually there there is some, some rift there typically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we looked at who was involved in the interview process, right? So, mm-hmm. so sometimes we see individuals within the organization apply for these leadership positions, mm-hmm. but then we also open it up to external candidates as well at the same time to also interview for those particular roles. Mm-hmm. And what typically happens is when that internal candidate is not selected, but they stay on, and and of course, you want them to stay on within the organization, if they're not properly communicated to as the why they were not selected, right, or why they were not chosen, you can understand how emotional that is for that individual. And they make may try to make your life a little bit more difficult if it wasn't communicated effectively to them and more difficult to the, whoever has stepped into that CEO's role. So naturally, or uh, maybe haphazardly, they did not do that. Um, and it started to really create rifts within the leadership team 
as this particular individual tried to deteriorate or discredit and, and discount their accountability of the current CEO. So it almost created two subcultures within the organization. Mm. One that was like aligned with this leadership and one that was a little bit more aligned with this leadership due to some internal influence. And really what we had to do is really kind of get our arms around it. We surveyed, we started to sit down with employees. We started to really understand the story as to what was going on because all we saw was high turnover, inability to recruit, um, and people that um, really were not sharing their honest opinions in exit interviews. Wow. So, and they weren't sharing their honest opinions in exit interviews because they didn't trust that they were going to do anything with that information. And that's Mm -hmm. why I tell my clients, never survey, never ask a question unless you're prepared to do something with the information that you're going to get back. So we do a lot of quantitative and qualitative data analysis for for kind of understanding, okay, where do we need to look, right? That target is now huge. How do we narrow it down? And that's where we kind of stumbled upon this event that happened, you know, and this, um, and once we had a conversation, we sat people down, we said, this is what's going on. What are we going to do about it? It was it was interesting to see how aware they became, and and then it was almost a bridge making. As I can understand why you felt that way, or why you felt slighted that you didn't get this role, but I want you to be a part of that. So a lot of some of these things mm. that happen internally, because you know the egos kind of go wild sometimes, especially when there's titles on the line, and it was causing an issue to all the other managers and then all the other individual employees because they could just feel it, and they just when trust when distrust festers too long, um, yeah, people's minds start to wander. <laughs> Yeah. I wanted to highlight a couple of pieces there that I heard. So thank you so much for sharing that. So when a new CEO steps in, that how that interview process unfolds, when there are internal and external candidates, especially when an external candidate is chosen or when there are multiple internal candidates, one is chosen over the other, there's a very important piece of communication and the openness to getting, to listening and really understanding the feedback and being able to engage and then explain. So there's so many pieces of that. There's both the not being silent in that communication and there's a listening and that listening is not just, I hear you, but, uh, Mm -hmm. or yeah, no, or, you know, trying to shape or change that person's thought process rather saying, of course you feel this way. Of course, this is your perspective. And it's important for us to take that into account. Let's talk about how to take that into account. And then there's also a piece of learning how to speak, how to communicate, sharing the underlying why, the reasoning, and doing that in a way that isn't just running the other person over or people over or not alienating some group of people and inviting and continuing to retain that connection by way of that type of communication. Another thing that really came to mind for me as you were talking about it is I have this episode. It's another solo episode, 114, how to curate and cultivate high performance. One of the things I talk about there is there is a model for, it's called, it's actually group therapy Hmm. uh, created by one of the originators of group therapy. And there are these stages and the stages are forming is the first stage where people come together. Then there's uh, storming, which is conflict and difficulty in the communicating or relating or roles. And then there's norming where hopefully and ideally they start to kind of piece together and put together with respect and putting all of their 
thoughts and feelings and needs on the table, a way of communicating and engaging with each other. And then there's performing. And what's really interesting, and there are a few other steps after, what's really interesting is the way that I talk about it there is performing and high performance is actually a function of this model, not a function of the person. It's really a function of a process, not a function of just trying to make something happen, which I know is a bit of a callback also to our Insight Sunday conversation. Mm-hmm. And that after that performing, there's often an adjourning. Adjourning is when either one person leaves or changes. And every time someone gets promoted or somebody leaves or somebody gets replaced, that process starts in a way all over again because the entire group has changed. And so as you were talking about a new CEO stepping in and someone who was applying for or vying for or wanting that position, well, it sounded to me like what was unfolding already was this was this process of forming and then storming and then what needed to happen and perhaps what you facilitated or helped happen is a norming process where that communication, the listening, the putting together, the saying, of course, your input matters. And here, let's show you what our thought process was. And you may, and of course, you, you not only may, when you do feel whatever you do feel, that's important information and welcoming that as information. And how do we take that into account? And then how do we maybe shift some things over? How do we find a way of all relating together? Maybe, you know, one of the things that a person who was applying for that CEO position, they wanted to implement something. Well, if they get put as a lead role on a project like that, or an initiative like that, then suddenly they have a say, right? And if they know that they have the CEO's ear and they can continue to kind of move in that direction, then it might really engage them together. Now we're talking about that norming that will allow them to do the performing, right? And that performance, that performing time can last as long as the people who are there really are there. And it can really be enhanced through that process. It just really reminded me of that. Yeah. And that's why I think right now, I make a lot of recommendations is that internal promotional rate is a KPI that I look at, right? If if mm-hmm. everybody wants to progress up that proverbial ladder, right? What does that look like? What does that mobility look like? And if there's not a lot of internal mobility today, which is fine, not all turnover is bad turnover either. So mm-hmm. we, we know that some positions could potentially open up. But this is where I really recommend to my partners is to create these committees, right? So a diversity, Mm. equity, inclusive committee. That's Mm -hmm. a must, right? Today, Mm. put a committee together that really focuses on that. And then have a health and wellness or well-being committee. And then think of other committees that you could have within the organization that you're still technically almost giving leadership positions to without the pay, but they're still getting developed collectively in your group therapy that you said, which Mm -hmm. I love. Because all you're trying to do is make them leaders and the future leaders within your organization and help mm-hmm. in that development. And you're scratching that solo or entrepreneurial itch that most mm-hmm. people have today. Yeah. And putting them into a committee like that and giving them some leeway and actual ability to drive change or drive decision making, that is really how you tap into the whole, I guess, ecosystem, if you will, of mm-hmm. human capital. Yeah, and you're not wow. seeing it as linear, right? Where it's mm-hmm. tasks plus tools plus time equals output. Right. It's collectively now that they're best recruiters, your best marketers, your best PR. Like now you're actually tapping into what the holistic well-being of your employees. And I call it collective intelligence. I think mm-hmm. we've all seen that term now, but collective yeah. intelligence is really, really powerful stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. Let's, Let's jump straight into another couch round and then we'll wrap it Perfect. up for you. All right. Perfect. Yeah. So first of all, uh, how big a role has psychology and your mindset played for you as a leader? Oh, 
Big time. Um, mm-hmm. I learned a lesson right during the pandemic. Uh, I interviewed him. Uh, he's a sports psychologist by trade, similar to you, and he focuses on performance. And a lot of uh, he did, did sports psychology before. So we're working with a lot of PGA Tour golfers and, and race car drivers, where it's that really individual mind, right? Um, mm-hmm. So he helped me understand how I make decisions within my own mind. Mm-hmm. And I think when you slow down and you understand your own decision-making process, it unlocks a lot for you. Yeah. And something that he stuck to, with me, and I use it very often, was where he told me and showed me that that intention drives your attention. And really the story that he shared, and and you've probably heard it a thousand times, but if I gave you a paragraph and just said, Dr. Yishai, read this paragraph, you would read it a certain way. But if I gave you that same paragraph and I said, give me two things that you would change about yourself and one thing that you wouldn't change about yourself after reading this article, you're going to read it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And that's really where it like cracked the code for me. And I was like, Oh, wow. Hmm. We really don't fully understand. uh, We understand a small fraction of of our brain, right? But Hmm. we know that this is, if we understand it, become more aware and and, and the more understanding that we have on how we make decisions, we can improve the way we're making decisions and the accuracy of those decisions as well. Yeah. Awesome. So looking back and looking at the work you do, how often do challenges for you or the businesses that you're consulting for include an element of mindset or psychology? Lots, lots. I mean, I figured that was a no brainer. We're dealing with the people at the end. Yeah. Right. Why do finance really not, why do finance, my father's a CFO. Why does he not really like people right from a business perspective? Because they're highly unpredictable. Yeah. So that I would tell you undoubtedly. Yes. God. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Next. What's the difference between a mistake and failure? Oh, a mistake is, uh, to me is, um, when you've done it before and haven't learned from your failures, I think Mm. Uh, failure is something that obviously if you fail, you can learn from, you can pick yourself back up from, but if you make the same mistake twice, Mm. I guess that, that, that's really where you haven't learned from your failures and Mm. continue to make the same mistake. So that's kind of my view on, on on that. If I had to question. (laughs) Sure. Next. What's one thing you wish you knew when you were getting started? Oh man, the power of networking, I think is what I tell everybody Mm. that we don't, um, a lot of us uh, want to think it's us, right? I think that we Mm -hmm. are the special being, right? And I see it as all of us, right? I think, Mm. and like I shared earlier, it's like gaining some of that interest, some of those life experiences from other people doesn't mean I need to make the same mistakes they did. Mm -hmm. I learned and finally, but I'm a creature of habit. I have to learn the hard way sometimes on some things. Um, I did that growing up, thankfully, and I'm not really making those same mistakes to your point earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's. I, I would say that uh, it's an interesting time to be in the world that we're working in right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's very different from when I first started 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah, for sure. Next, what's one thing that's coming up for you that you're working on or really excited about? Right now it's the job description. So I'm working on a, a really cool, like reinventing the job description project right now. Cause I, mm. I, I kept looking at it, Dr. Yishai, and I just said, this is just broken. We, we talk mm. about our companies so much on the front end. We talk about all the rules and responsibilities and mm-hmm. then maybe even some of the, uh, the, the policies and procedures, even some companies were sharing, but then we use a lot of objective uh, or subjective, excuse me, uh, or no nope, objective terms, <laughs> mm-hmm. like 
uh, competitive pay, um, mm. uh, time off, generous time off. And these, these words really don't mean much to people because mm. they're so broad. And mm-hmm. I think we're, I want to see a switch to more objective. Like this is what we need you to do within the first year. This is how we would make you or say that you are successful or you've been successful in this role. Mm-hmm. This is how you help the business in this way, move towards that bigger goal. We need to get a little bit more granular for people because individuals feel special right now, or they presume that they are special. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Netflix, thanks to all this conditioning of Amazon Prime and everything else that, oh, I am special. Everything's catered mm-hmm. to me. Um, that's our same expectation from the world of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so how effective organizations are at understanding that and becoming aware of that and driving um, that feeling and that emotion, uh, they're, they're kind of at the head of line in my estimation right now of, of a lot of other organizations. That's really exciting. I am really looking forward to your reshaping the job description. And I would love to get an update on that, um, yes. you know, as that project really unfolds. Last question, what's one question about business or leadership that you would want to ask a psychologist, adaptability expert, executive coach, and business consultant? I think it would always come down to ego because that is a very, it's a three letter word, but it's a massive word, right? Mm. And it can make all the difference. So Mm. seeing what we're seeing in Russia and Ukraine, where it's, it's seemingly Mm. one individual with one mindset, with one ego driving the bodies of, of hundreds of thousands of people. Mm. It's just, it's unfathomable to me. What we Mm. saw in Buffalo over the weekend Mm. is another thing. I just, I don't know, understand how somebody at 18 could have their mind deteriorated that much and Mm. potentially not even have a conscience at some point, right? That, that three hour drive, how do you not have that one thing that tells you maybe I shouldn't do this, right? Mm. Where's the devil and the angel? Um, Mm. So if I was to ask a psychologist is really understanding the ego and, and what are the most effective ways that leadership can, can help themselves in keeping that in check? So let me make sure I get that right. So you want to know what are the most effective ways to keep our egos in check as leaders? As leaders. So we actively listen Hmm. and change. All right. And so I want you to know that I'm going to be answering your question in the episode that comes out right afterwards. So that's our, uh, you know, psych Q&A. Love Um, that. Yeah. So you're going to be getting my answer and research and even a framework. So that's what I typically like to do. So with that, I want to say thank you again for giving us a peek into the work that you do and your mindset and your thought and your thought leadership and your hard learned wisdom. I think it's really powerful to learn from that and to learn from the challenges and the missteps that people make and that businesses make so that we can all learn from them as well. Uh, Just to do another really brief recap, uh, again, Kevin, you shared today about an experience you had with a new CEO stepping in and the process of interviewing internal versus external and in what way people were included in the process and how that really affected afterwards this kind of low-level mutiny almost, the rifts that were happening and the difficulty with performance and so much turnover. There were all these things happening inside the company. It was almost like cracks were forming and the foundation was started crumbling. And as you stepped in and, and, and kind of worked with them, and we talked about this kind of based on a model of psychology for group therapy, which is applicable to groups of all kinds, that there's this process of storming that was happening and you really helped them move into what would it be called a norming and performing space 
through that kind of listening, through getting data, through really engaging, and then also communicating well and keeping those lines of communication. And also through that process, building and retaining trust that had started to really shift and rift and be broken. Uh, and thank you so, so much. And you even talked about some tangible tips that companies can use, like creating committees and really cultivating leadership at any and every level. And thank you so, so much for all of that. <laughs> really, it's been incredible. Thank you, Dr. Yishai, for the invite. And um, I had a blast. This was a lot of fun and, and, and we should do it again real soon. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 